for the last month, we've been talking about a few good men. A few good men of faith, a few good men of action, a few good men of conviction, and in each case, one of the things became clear, that no man is an island. There's like no of the quote-unquote self-made men. They're all forged by God and refined by relationships with God's people. As scripture says, iron sharpens iron. And we saw that with like Baruch who served the faithful prophet Jeremiah. And Apollos, he was uh, mentored by Priscilla and Aquila into the right doctrine. And Barnabas, he was one of Paul's faithful companions in the missionary journeys. And today we're going to look at another one of Paul's companions, Timothy. One of the things we know about Timothy is that he, uh, he was young and he had like, some health problems. He, uh, some, people may, some people today think that maybe he had uh, an ulcer or he had anxiety because of the way Paul would say, I'm sending my son, my faithful adopted spiritual son, to you. And he's like, you know, be, treat him right, be uh, kind with him when he gets there. Because they, uh, Timothy may have had some sort of anxiety issue or he had ulcers. Uh, one letter, Paul tells him to remember to drink a little wine, herb wine, before you go to bed. It helps settle your stomach. And so, and that's like some of the things we know about Timothy. And we're going to open our second letter to Timothy, Timothy, Second uh, Timothy, in chapter 1. That's what we're going to start looking at today. Second Timothy, chapter 1. And... I'm going to read a few verses, we'll talk about it, and then, uh, then as Jesus said, you know, it's like eating fish where you, you uh, eat the meat and throw away the bones. We get what we can get out of it. <laughs> you know? And so, Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That sounds good. That sounds like something you should start a lot of sermons with. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. So the tears he was talking about in the book of Acts when he was leaving Timothy and the church at Ephesus, they were all crying because Paul said, you're not going to see me again in this life. I'm leaving here and I won't be coming back this way again. Because he knew that he was on his road to Martin, that he was on his way to be killed and before faith in Jesus. And so he went to see Timothy or other people there, and they loved him, and, and uh, they were crying, saying, well, just stay a little longer. Um, and so this is part of the inheritance. Uh, Paul, 
he uh, tells Timothy, calls him his beloved child. He, he was uh, he adopted him. Almost, he was like took him under his wing to teach him. And uh, his inheritance from Paul was an inheritance of conviction and sorrow. See, uh, Paul was had the strong conviction of faith. He says here in the letter that you know he serves God faithfully, just as his ancestors had. His ancestors were Pharisees, and they were strict about learning the scriptures. They would memorize the scriptures. And even his uh, teacher, Gamaliel, who wasn't a believer in Jesus at the time, said with that when Peter and the others were brought before them on trial, and people wanted to put to death Peter for a heresy, for saying that Jesus was God, and that and that he was coming again to save his people. Gamaliel said, well, let's just leave them alone, and if God is uh, against them, there's nothing that's going to make them prosper. God will take care of them. But if God's for them, we don't want to be against them. And that was uh, Paul's teacher. That was part of the inheritance of that, that compassion and that also compassion and also, the book learning tempered together. Some people have a little one and a little other, but Paul's teacher, he knew the scriptures and by heart, but he also lived them out. And uh, church tradition says he later on became a believer. And so that's part of his conviction from uh, his inheritance of conviction. There's inheritance of sorrow that he got from Paul. We have to look back at the uh, first letter he wrote to Timothy. And he tells this long list of things. He says, I'm a, I was the chief sinner. I did horrible things. And we know that one of the things he did was he, had, he stood there and presided over the killing of Stephen. Stephen just like Timothy, he was like a young, faithful believer. That he was strong and courageous and he stood for Jesus. And he was like, going to be one of the, everyone thought he'd be one of the great leaders of the church. And Paul had him taken away when he was solid. He had him healed. Um, and he watched the people's coats as they did his dirty work. And he said that he was in one of the things that. Paul wound up doing, even though he took away Stephen, and that that uh, Stephen is the next generation leader, he wound up training the next generation himself. And so I, I kind of think of it as kind of a penance, or kind of a Paul was trying to give back to the church what he took away. He took away Stephen and cut him down in the time before he was able to do such a great work. But in a way to make amends to the church, it seems like he was trying to train as many young men as he could. And he would train Titus and uh, Timothy and Silas, Barnabas, Dr. Luke even. He uh, went on journeys with him and trained Dr. Luke. To, uh, he would go into places and he would preach and Luke would like, help the people that were sick. And then eventually Luke would write down everything in his gospel and in the book of Acts. And so that's part of the inheritance 
that uh, Timothy received from Paul. And that was starting in verse 5, we're going to see that he also got an inheritance um, of faith from somewhere else. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through laying on of my hands. Uh, verse 5, the inheritance of faith he received comes from his mother and grandmother. They really believe the, the um, Old Testament saying, train up a child and lay should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. Mm -hmm. And before church today, we were talking about how so many uh, people, they were when they were young, they were in the church, but then they left for whatever reasons later on. And we have to have faith that the Bible says that God's word does not return void. When we planted those seeds into them when they were children, we have to have faith that they're still there, waiting to be watered, and they will come back. Because I'm one of those stories. I'm one of those stories of somebody that left the church for a while, and, and I came back to what I was taught when I was younger. And we have to have faith that those other people we taught, when they were young, even though they left the church, they will come back. And... Timothy was one of these uh, people that, from that time he was small, his mother and grandmother taught him the ways of the faith. And he inherited his faith, his love of Jesus from them. His uh, father was uh, um, a Greek, but his mother and grandmother, they were Jewish, Jewish believers, followers of Jesus. And I want to take a moment here to also look at what it, the uh, world says about women in the church. One of the things that the world always says is that the church is um, subjugates women. Uh, the church has always treated women as like second class citizens. But one of the things at this time, some people at the time of Timothy and Jesus and Paul, some people were even teaching that women didn't have souls to be saved. That they would go to heaven if they married somebody that was saved. That they married a holy man and they would be saved. But Jesus, he went and he, he preached to men and women alike. And he met women at the at the well, he, uh, some of his followers were rich uh, widows that, that helped care for him and the disciples. And, um, and then there was like uh, Lazarus and his sisters, and he treated men and women equally. And women became like one of the cornerstones of the foundations of the church. And, and in some generations, it's the women of families that kept faith alive. And it, you see here with Timothy, it's his mother and grandmother that trained him. Because, you know, usually we say that a man is the head of the house. He's supposed to be the spiritual head of the family and teach his children. But in some cases, men don't do their job. And 
women have to step in and they are the ones that keep the faith alive for the next generation. They're the ones that plant the seeds and water them and tend to the gospel message for the next generation. And so the um, times when the culture was completely anti-women, well, we have uh, Paul saying that, that we should treat everyone the same, whether they're Gentile or they're Jewish, whether they're a man or woman, whether they're free or slave. Each person has a soul that, that God loves and wants to see saved. And that's one of the things we see here. And that's one of the things that totally uh, rebuts what culture says that our faith believes about women. We don't believe that women are second class citizens. We believe that there may be a separation of jobs, some things that men are supposed to do and some things that women are supposed to do. But when it comes to it, though, all are children of God. And they all have to. On that day, final day of judgment, you're going to individually stand there and answer for your decisions. Yeah. And so I just want to take that little side note talk about Timothy and uh, the name of our series is a few good men and we see that at least some of these men would have been like Noper without that faith that was planted in them by the women in their lives and so verse 6 for this reason I remind you to fan the flame of God which is in you you're laying on in my hands for God gave us the spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control so we talked about his inheritance but now we talk about Timothy's uh, stewardship so in his stewardship we see that that uh, Timothy became the caretaker of that faith he inherited that faith from his mom and grandmother he became the caretaker and he had that faith in him, and Paul said, you need to, to make sure that it's, uh, you fan the flames, make sure you keep it alive, make sure that you're being a good steward of the things that you receive. And that is the, the, his faith, and also the teachings that Paul gave him, and the, and the teachings of church building and community building. He was supposed to use them wisely and be good stewards. And Jesus had a famous story about uh, being a, being a good steward, it's the parable of the talents. And Jesus told the story about how that there was a master that was leaving and he left some, uh, some bit of money to three of his servants. And one servant, he was scared of the master. He just, he dug a hole and buried it in him. And then the next servant, he was like, well, I want to have something to show for it. So, he put the money in the bank so he could get some interest on it and, and say, well, I made a few extra dollars while you were gone. And then the, the final servant, he went out and he invested in other businesses and, and in crops and, and when he made a lot of money. And so then when the master came back and he said, oh, you were a good and faithful steward. You made a lot of money. So I'm going to put you in charge of a lot of stuff. And then the, the middle one came and said, he said, well, you did a good job too because you gave, you took care of what I owned and uh, you 
brought me more back. And then the final one, that wasn't a good story, he just hid away his talent, dug a hole and hid it away. And he says, I'm going to take yours and give it to others because you've been an unfaithful steward. You haven't done a good job um, investing this and building my kingdom that I'm trying to build. And so Timothy was supposed to be a good steward. This was the second thing. He inherited these things from Paul and his uh, family, and he was supposed to again, be a good steward. And we see that in his life how this uh, gift that he received was from the Holy Spirit. See, he didn't even have to rely on himself to do a good job. All he had to do was be led by the Holy Spirit. This is Paul said he laid the hands on Timothy, be guided by the Holy Spirit. So that way he could go into the world and tell people the truth of Jesus' love and resurrection and to all the powers of the world. And he did that. He went into Corinth. He went into some of the like scariest and dirtiest places in the empire. Some of the places where uh, people were being killed for believing in Jesus. For people that were, they were being literally thrown the lions in some of these cities. And he went into those places and he spoke the truth that Jesus has come to save. Jesus came to save the lost. And you can lay down all your burdens to him, give it all to him, because he has turned the world upside down. You can go straight to God yourself. You don't have to go through the priesthood. You do not have to go make sacrifices at special temples. You can go straight to God in the name of Jesus Christ. And so that was the stewardship that Timothy had, that he took care of all the things that were given him. And he cherished them and passed them on to other people around him. And you see that Paul, when he was talking to him, he told him that um, chapter 2, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you pray for me is the presence of many witness, witnesses entrusted to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Paul often used imagery of military or imagery of of uh, athletic competitions. <coughs> he used those uh, images to um, show that there was a that there would have to be sacrifice because he said just like a good soldier you have to go out there you can't worry about all the things going on back at home, you have to go and make sacrifices. There will be suffering, and there will be um, there will be change. One and one part, Paul said that that you know he was giving him this legacy of chains because he was a prisoner for Jesus. See, Paul also like lived out the message. He said that that he went into prison and was chained up. He was beaten, 
all because of his faith in Jesus. And that was part of the legacy that that uh, he left to Timothy. And Timothy also wound up leaving that to his church there in, in Ephesus because um, about 10 years after the book of Revelation was written, uh, there's the book of Martyrs tells us that, that Timothy, he died a martyr's death. There was a procession going through town and all the worshipers of the goddess Athena and they were, had a big statue of Athena and they were, they were all going to come through town and try to have a revival for this pagan goddess to try to, try to like, get more worshipers to come back to her, the ones that had fallen away and started following Jesus. And he went out in the middle of their parade. Timothy, who was by this time older, but you know, the one that Paul said, oh, be careful, you have a nervous stomach, you know, make sure you take your medicine. He went out and faced the entire crowd. The entire, the Roman army would have been part of this because they worshiped her also. And, and um, as Diane, they, they all worshiped these different pagan goddesses. He went and faced them all when they came to his city and tried to start a pagan revival. And um, he was killed um, during that riot that broke out there when he was trying to stop, stand up for Jesus' faith. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so he saw that there, he lived out the fact that there had to be sacrifice for true freedom. That sometimes there, you, you won't leave, some people today would teach this idea of the, your best life now, the fact that they think that you know, like, well, if you become a believer, that that everything will be coming up roses. That you could just it will turn into just nothing but blessings. Now, Jesus, He will give you lots of blessings, but you have to remember at the same time. Now, the world is your enemy. Now, Satan is your enemy, and there will be suffering along the way also. And Paul was suffered. Timothy suffered, and one of the things this reminds me of when he says that you have to go through suffering if you're going to get the awards. You have to be a good soldier. It reminds me of this uh, the uh, Vietnam service ribbon that like my dad had. He, uh, you see, because no matter what rank you were in Vietnam, this was the award you got. That from like the lowest person to like the highest person. They all got the same award, the, the uh, Vietnam service ribbon. And uh, one uh, little girl like made bracelets that my mom has that has the same colors on it. And they went there and not all of his, not all the people in his group, the Marines came back. And he still talked about some of them today occasionally. And but they went by and sacrificed their lives. Young people, probably about the same age as Timothy was when it started, you know, like a uh, teen, early 20s, they went to this foreign country because they believed in these ideals. The ideals of like freedom, ideals that, that people needed to be like judged fairly. 
people um, people should have the right, to, uh, their their God, to save. And and so when he went there, he made sacrifices. Other people made sacrifices. And that's the reward reward they got. And Paul tells Timothy that if you're going to get those military honors, you're going to have to march in the infantry. You're going to have uh, some suffering, but Jesus will be with you. And he uh, says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, he, he told Timothy, this is a saying and trustworthy. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he will still remain faithful. For he cannot deny himself. So he said that if you're going to reign with Jesus, you may have to carry some of the same burdens he did. You may have to suffer like he did if you're going to reign with him. And he wanted the, him to know that this legacy is a legacy of freedom, but it's also a legacy of suffering, that we have to bear our own crosses. So, so moving forward from here, we'll see that inheritance that we receive is never too small. So Jesus used that image of a seed. And so even if we just got the idea of John 3.16, that's, that's all we inherited, that God loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, still believes in him. Well, if that's all we know, it's still our responsibility to care for that, learn more from it, and, and teach other people. Just If we only know one verse in the Bible, that's what we're supposed to teach them, that one verse. Whatever we know, we're supposed to spread the caretakers. Stewardship is never too late to start being a uh, caretaker. So, in Jesus' story about the talents, if that uh, the guy that buried his talent, if he just spent one day putting it to work, if he just spent even one day making an extra penny, the master's a compassionate master. He would have been like, well, you tried. If he would have just tried anything, it would have been okay. But he didn't. And so he was a bad steward. All he had to do was do something. And we even inherited a church. And um, the previous generations in our church, um, in the 1800s, there was a restoration movement that we were part of, where they tried to uh, re uh, restore the church to what it was like in the book of Acts. And before that, there was the, and the, I mentioned the Great Awakening, which was a revival generation, where they tried to you know, get people back interested in Jesus, get back interested in reviving spirit that was going through the colonies at the time. And before that, there was a Reformation where they tried to change the church and get out all the bad stuff that had come in that, that um, didn't belong there. And so that's the part of the church that we inherited. And so what are we supposed to do for our legacy? So what, um, what church, what faith, what inheritance will we leave for the next generation? What are we going to do with what we have to give to other people that come after us? 
And I think that one of the things is that we have to look at those movements of the past and make them personal. This would be like a personal restoration movement where we go back to scriptures ourselves and we, just, we become determined individually that this is how I'm going to worship right here. And then there has to be a like an individual revival. You know, there may not be the, the big tents that travel the country like they used to, but if we have a devotion to individual revival, where it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna focus my life on getting closer to Jesus. And if we all did that and run together, it would become a corporate revival. But it starts with the individual. The individual has to decide they're going to do that. And then the Reformation, we have to start reforming our local churches to be more like the Bride of Christ. We have to I think, what is the Bride of Christ like? And how are we going to make our church look like the Bride of Christ so we can give it to the next generation? How, how are we going to leave it when we leave here? Who are we going to leave it to? It's one of the things we're talking about before churches. Who are we going to leave this place to? What it used to be like, and what is it going to be like after we're gone? And so, for hopefully for the next year or so, a year or two, I'll be working with you, Lucas. I, I want to work with you and, and try to restore things to the way they used to be and, and try to reform the church to, to be a beacon of Jesus' hope. And I hope you work together with me with it. <laughs> and I want to anyway, prayer. Just a merciful God, in every generation, you raise up prophets and teachers and witnesses to call the world to honor your holy name. We thank you for sending Timothy and Silas, Apollos, these men and their gifts that build up your church. by your powerful Holy Spirit. Grant that we too can become like bricks in the wall of your church. That we can help lay a new foundation. That we can that we can build it up to something better than it was, not just to its former glory, but even surpass its former glory. Help us to do it all by being faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.